Hi, and welcome to Writing on Wednesdays, a podcast about building a healthy and sustainable writing process from beginning to end, but mostly in the middle. My book launches next week, so today we're talking about how to run a book launch. Plus, we'll have a tool and tip about setting appointment interviews. I'm Nicole Rokas, an author, speaker, and writing coach in Toronto. And I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician living in St. Louis. So get your pens ready, pull up a chair, and join us for a weekly Wednesday writing date. And today we're going to dive right into the thick of it, the part of the show where we focus in on one idea, strategy, or topic as it pertains to the writing process. And Nicole, at the time that we're writing this, your book is about to launch. Yeah, at the time of this recording, um, it's a Friday and my book launches on Tuesday. Uh, Yeah, which will be October 29th in real time, but um, this episode will come out a few weeks after that. So um, because I'm, I'm in the thick of prepping for launch week next week, I felt like it would be helpful for me and maybe also our listeners if we kind of compared what I did to launch my first book with what I'm doing to launch this book because I'm taking some different strategies. Mm-hmm. Although I, I think with both of these launches, like you've done a really thorough job in both of these, both launches. I'm glad it comes across that way because I it feel does. like... <laughs> I, I think I'm just comparing with folks who are like, well, I um, sent an email to the 10 folks that I know and... Uh... Yeah, I actually have a lot of, well there's one author in particular my friend summer Kennard, who um who actually i think just last week launched her book uh with the same publisher and she did an amazing job of preparing like prepping the launch ahead of time i oh, learned awesome. a lot from her and so i feel like compared to her i am kind of flying by the seat of my pants so i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> that it sort of comes across as being um you know thorough anyway i have a question can yeah. you remind us like, so this, your second book is coming out in 2019. When did Time and Despondency come out? Yeah. So my f- my first book, Time and Despondency, came out on Tuesday, January 15th, 2018. Um, and that is a date that is like ingrained in my brain, mm. <laughs> like a baby's birthday or something. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that they were so close together. Like that's only yeah, like an 18 year and month. a half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, a little that's more great. than a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So when Time and Despondency came out um, – here, I want to kind of describe what my overall strategy with that book launch was, mm-hmm. and then I'll kind of get into the more granular stuff of like how that sort of worked on the ground. My overall strategy, I think, was like as a first-time author, I knew I had to do more than just write a book and have it published, but I didn't have a clear picture of what that was, and I guess in my mind – what it vaguely boiled down to was like, just do stuff. Do um, all the things. <laughs> all buzz is good buzz. And you like, just generate buzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like throw a bunch of paint at the wall and hope it sticks and call it a day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which I think even that for a first time author, that's already doing something right. Oh, yeah. And it's doing a lot. And it's, there's a lot of willingness to just try things. And as you said, see what sticks because you aren't necessarily going to know like what resonates with your particular audience here. Yeah. And I should also say that my publisher for um for both that book and my next book, Ancient Faith Publishing, they encourage authors to have a launch team. And mm-hmm. so, you know, part of my intuition on that was coming from them. They encourage uh, authors to have a launch team of at least 30 people. And they do a good job of supplying people with like advanced copies and review copies oh, awesome. um, to have them read things ahead of time. So then the the next 
piece of my overall strategy was like I centered the launch festivities around one of my Facebook pages, my Time Eternal Facebook page, Time Eternal. Which was your podcast and blog. Yeah. Time Eternal is a different podcast and blog I run. So this wasn't my author website or my author Facebook page. It was Time Eternal. And part of that was because that that was and still is my biggest platform. But the other part of that is this book, Time and Despondency, sort of grew organically out of that podcast. And so I felt like there was a, like an organic connection between that community and this book already. Mm-hmm. So I would say like the main cornerstone content of my launch for the first book was Facebook Live videos. I did four or five of them over the course of the week. Mm, yeah, that's right. And um, at the time, Facebook Live, I f- I think at the time was like still on the news side and it was yeah, sort and of it, all the rage. And it had a really good organic reach at that point, which it yeah. doesn't so much now. And those videos, I I would say um, for my reach at the time, like they gained pretty good traction. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So I did, like I sort of did one shorter video a day of up to 15 minutes where I would like read a short excerpt. And then this sort of culminated in um, Friday where I did a longer video for an hour, and that was a reading consisting of mm-hmm. a Q&A and um, a giveaway. So all week I was kind of leading up to this giveaway and Q&A, and I was encouraging people to give questions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, at the time, I wasn't on Instagram yet, and I was really only minimally on Twitter and using Twitter more for some other professional things, not so much for writing. I also did a formal, like, in-person, in-the-flesh launch party a month later where I teach, um, the college where I teach at. And that's actually, you can see the talks and the readings that I did there on Mm -hmm. YouTube. And if I remember, you were pretty good about, like, cross-posting this. Like, I remember seeing this YouTube video on Facebook, and you were making sure that you're heading different aspects of your audience, even if you were doing something in just one venue. Sort of, although um, I'll get into that in my things I wish I would have done, or like things I wanted to do better. I did cross post to a point, but not across all my networks and not mm, okay. not in a very consistent way. And the reason you probably remember that is because you follow the Time Eternal page. So I, oh, yeah, okay. I did post it there, but I didn't like do a lot of getting that stuff out to all my networks. Okay. Um, and then finally, another thing I did in the course of initial, because I mean, it's like, I don't know when the book launch ends and just the book then just becomes a regular book that you're sort of promoting (laughs) on an ongoing basis. But in the months after, like weeks and months after it came out, I created a free study guide, like a a study Mm -hmm. guide specifically to be used during Lent, which happened started a few months after the book was Mm -hmm. released. And which is really appropriate for your audience. Yeah. And the book itself. It Mm -hmm. the book itself lends itself to be read during Lent, although it's yeah. not about Lent. And I also uh, recorded the audio version for Audible. I think that was released was a, few months a, f- later, yeah. a few months after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So those were the initial things that I did. Now, I want to talk about some things that looking back, I sort of wish I would have done a better job of. Here are some like initial things that became clear shortly after even with, during the launch week itself. And that is the fact that Amazon is a B word. I don't want to swear on this. <laughs> Amazon.com is both one of the most important places um, you want your book to have a presence on, but it makes it so hard to gain traction. 
because you have to have so many reviews or for a lot of reasons i i think it's maybe more friendly to to much bigger presses my press is a relatively small press they don't Mm. do pre-orders and so for amazon it's really important that you get reviews and ratings on there as soon as possible for the book to get some traction in your niche and yet um, amazon will like gatekeep the number of reviews it allows your readers to post so for my book, I had about 30 advanced readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although maybe like only 20 of those actually read the book and were sort of actively in the launch process. And I, I remember you asked, I was one of your advanced readers, and uh, you asked us to like post something on Amazon, like like, like as, a, yeah, as a way part to support of the my sort book. Of, yeah, yeah, part of the kind of, if you wanted to participate in the launch team there were a few things that kind of bare minimums that I asked people to do. And one of them was an Amazon.com review. And I feel like I want to add here that I think that you did a very good job of communicating to people who were not writers what was actually important. Because I think if you're not a writer or you're not in that publishing world, you don't necessarily know, oh, an Amazon review is helpful. Oh, social media yeah. is helpful. It's it's not really on your radar. And you did a good job of saying, here's what's actually helpful here. And no, you don't have to post five paragraphs, just right. you know, a couple sentences. I actually great. made a cheat sheet for everyone mm-hmm. on my launch team yeah. of yeah. Um, helpful quotes that they could copy and paste from the book, like quotes mm-hmm. that stuck out to a lot of people. And I also like gave thought starters. So, you know, the most um, surprising thing about this book was blah, blah, blah. Or Mm -hmm. the chapter I appreciated the most was blah, 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 because blah, 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 where, you know, people could just take that and write three sentences Mm -hmm. about the book. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is with Amazon reviews, though, let's say I had 20 people and I sort of encourage people, you know, get the book read before launch day so that on launch day, you can post your review Mm -hmm. as soon as possible to get the algorithms up. Well, Amazon review or Amazon.com will actually not allow that to happen if it senses that more people, more people are reviewing than like the algorithmic usual proportion of people who buy the book from Amazon.com review. Mm. If only a hundred people have bought the book on Amazon.com, Amazon figures only 10% of those are going to rate or review. And so if the number of people initially trying to review is more than that, arbitrary number it will not allow those reviews to post in some cases it like totally froze people's amazon accounts oh wow Um, one friend of mine like she still can't post any reviews on any books so i had no idea that's crazy so now what i'm doing with this book is i'm actually putting less emphasis on initial amazon reviews Mm -hmm. and like less pressure on people and I'll have people sign up. If they want to post the first day, I'll kind of like leave that open to five five to seven people and then mm-hmm. um, they can sign up for days and weeks later. Okay. That was one thing I learned the hard way. Another thing I feel like I didn't do as good of a job of that as I could have, like that I wanted to do a better job with this book, is like better leveraging my launch team. Um, mm. On my first book, I communicated with my launch team through email. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was kind of like a big email. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I yeah. I think I usually even BCC'd people because I, I was like, I don't know if people want other people to know that they're mm-hmm. on this and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so, it meant that I didn't, I didn't know who else was on the launch team. Yeah, and I yeah. couldn't create like a sense of community within the launch team. So mm-hmm. this time yeah. around, I created like a private Facebook group. Yeah. And that's been helpful for me because it's allowed me like 
first of all, it's allowed other readers to connect with each other. Yeah, which, like you've been encouraging people to introduce themselves. Yeah, and you know, this is this book. I should stop and explain like what my book is. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so the title of my book, my next book, is Under the Laurel Tree. Uh, grieving infertility with saints Joachim and Anna, and as you can tell, it's a book about infertility, but it's specifically a book for couples and those who love them, those who minister to them. And my whole objective is to provide a kind of redemptive template for into infertility grief that couples and indiv- individuals can use to sort of better navigate this grief. Because I feel like with infertility. We talk a lot about it from a medi- medical standpoint mm-hmm. yeah. in the church, sometimes a bioethical issue, but a lot of times we fail to realize that this is first and foremost a source of grief and uh, a strain on marriages. So how can we better support couples in yeah. the church? Yeah. So so your your launch team is not just couples who've individuals and couples who've experienced infertility or are experiencing infertility, but a lot of people who are wanting to support couples like that. Yeah, just just like um we might read books about addiction mm-hmm. um, yeah. or like depression or whatever, you know, to better understand that as a life struggle and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm kind of yeah. trying to normalize infertility. So anyway, in this, because it's a sensitive topic, I've appreciated having a group of people because there are people in that book who are in that group who have dealt with infertility and who mm-hmm. haven't. And yeah. I've really enjoyed watching the conversations unfold, but it's also um, helped us better brainstorm um, you know, where can I guest post? Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. I posted a graphic the other day that I developed, uh, it's like five fast facts about infertility. And I got some really good feedback on how I could improve that graphic in part because, you know, people were seeing other comments and then it, they were like, Oh, maybe this you could do this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I have really enjoyed that. And, um, my first launch team did an amazing job. So it's nothing. Mm-hmm against yeah. them. It's that I, I did not do as good of job as I could well, have. Or maybe that you are learning now and you have yeah. different tools that you're yeah. that you can yeah. use. Yep. So um another thing I'm doing differently and or learn the hard way or and or learned and now want to do differently is um not is fewer videos. Mm, tell me about that. First of all, I find Facebook Live videos draining and like paralyzing. I don't – I really don't like doing Facebook Live videos. They mm. f- freak the crap out of me. Oh. And I'm grateful that they're, like, sort of not as, I don't know, cutting edge as they were. Well, they – like, algorithmically, they don't have as much organic reach anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah. You get more reach now. It's kind of, like, back to images and mm-hmm. very short videos with captions sometimes. Yep. Yep. I'm making my cornerstone content this time around guest posts, which I don't think I did any guest posts when mm-hmm. my first book launched. This is like return of the blog. 2019 is the return of the blog year. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how it goes because I'm not sure that blogging is still where it's at either, but mm-hmm. it is a way for me to connect with other networks that I'm not a part of. Whereas mm-hmm. my launch stuff for the first book was almost centered around like my network people only and just assuming that they would share the posts, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Whereas this, I think you're also going to be a guest on several podcasts too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that gets into a sort of other intentional thing that I'm aiming for, which is slow burn. I felt like when I launched my first book, it was like do or die within the launch week. So I did Mm. a lot of stuff and 
kind of flailed a little bit. I mean, it might not have looked like flailing, but I was just trying to get a lot of stuff out there. And this time around, it's like, I am still going to be putting a lot of stuff out there, but I am also intentionally planning things to do in a month or in two months or six months. And I'm not putting all the pressure on the first week. I think some of this is a big difference between um, books that are coming out from top five publishers that have a hope of being on a bestseller list versus the vast majority of books out there. And I think when we hear about book launches, um, we tend to hear about books that are potentially on a bestseller list. And so people are really, really, really pushing those pre-orders and uh, the, the purchases in the first, the first week right. so that you can then get on a bestseller list, which then helps you snowball down the road. But the vast majority of books aren't you know, it's not that they're not good books. It's just that they're they're not bestseller kind of books in the sense of like New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers. That's just not what they are. And so the whole approach of I have to sell all the books in the first week and nothing else will matter is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. And my publisher no longer does pre-orders because it yeah. just – it found that it, it didn't actually boost sales. Um, maybe it does for bigger publishers, but – Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I don't even have that option. Well, for bigger publishers, it's pre-orders add to that first week of sales. Yeah. All the pre-orders count for that first week. So then you can have, you know, potentially a bestseller. So, yeah. But it, it, which is irrelevant here. Because we're, this is kind of going long and we we actually only have a limited time today to record. I kind of want to buzz through like five fast lessons or five fast strategies. Sure. Uh, okay. So five fast book launch strategies that I'm intentionally <laughs> putting into practice this time. Around. Oh, great. <laughs> Number one is more shareable and easily digestible content. So more more images, quotes, um, sending these out to my launch team ahead of time so that they can share, not just me, and flyers, things that people can post, rather than videos or readings. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Second thing are, I guess what I would say is better calls to action um, within my content, or at least within some pieces of content. Do you mean like come and purchase the book kind of thing? Mm, that's too transparent. No. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by this, uh, or maybe I, maybe better guidance or better direction, I guess in my first book, I felt like I took for granted the fact that, oh, if people just hear me read or they hear a section of the book, it's going to entice them enough to know that they want to read the book. And I think that that might have been a bit more true for my first book, but in general, I think that many readers need a bit more guidance. So when I post quotes or, or something, highlighting who the book is for. Uh, okay. What the mm-hmm. purpose of the book is. Highlighting how people can help promote the book. Here's the Library of Congress call number. Get the book ordered at your library. Hang a flyer in your church so that other people know about the book. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And number three, as, as I've mentioned and you mentioned, Posting things across all my networks. Maybe not every single post, but doing a good job to post a promo on my my podcast, um, all my blog feeds, my newsletter, just keeping people in the loop. And, okay, bringing me to my next fast, (laughs) fast strategy, intentionally funneling all launch and book-related activities to my author website and my author Facebook page rather than any other network. That's a big difference from yes. your first launch. And this is, yeah. And it, it's a, it's sort of a risk, but this is a smaller platform. I haven't, I've sort of been building up those platforms gradually, but they just don't have the reach that other platforms um, I'm a part of do. But at the same time, I want this book to, to, I want it to be clear that this is like a book 
that I'm an author, that this isn't just an extension of a podcast or something. And I I want people to get to know me as an author and as mm-hmm. Nicole Rogas. Yeah. yeah, I think that's those are the big and and I guess for my launch team, placing less emphasis on Amazon, although that's definitely a thing, like p- less pressure on the whole Amazon thing and really cultivating a community where people want to to do more like soft promotion, sharing mm-hmm. stuff on their social media feeds, on Goodreads, um, Instagram, things like that. This would be like that, the truly organic reach in that yeah. the best marketing is always uh, mouth to mouth. What was that? Mouth to mouth? Word to word. <laughs> Oh God! Mouth what is to it? mouth is like resuscitation. <laughs> word of what mouth. Is, what a, like the best, the best marketing is always going to be word of mouth marketing. That's just that's how it is, and that's how people are, and that's and that's great. That's that's relational. Yep. So by the time this episode comes out, um, I will have already made it through launch week, and you can Yay! catch catch me on my on my website and and on my blog where I will probably have been posting a whole bunch and maybe mm-hmm. even doing like a postmortem on how it all went. And what's, what's your website? NicoleRocus.com. I'll put it, you can find all this stuff in the show notes. Cool. And now we've come to Tips and Tools, a segment about building better writing systems one small step at a time. Sarah, this week you are sharing with us about appointment software. Mm-hmm. So I am, this is kind of folding an update into the tips and tools. I'm doing a lot of book-related interviews in this fall season. Um, and initially, I was just emailing back and forth and being like, well, you know, here's my general span of time currently, you know, unless someone else schedules it. And then I was like, well, this is dumb because I live in the 21st century. And I bet there's a way around this. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, uh, you know, set, set something up. I'm using Square appointments. And this is free software. It's really like, there's so many places for like hair salons to schedule appointments and many, many of them are free for the kinds of stuff that I'm doing because really I just need to schedule, you know, 40 appointments. Um, it's not, it's not a big deal. I'm not running a hair salon. <laughs> Um, we're needing to deal with credit cards, but I chose Square Appointments. There are many, many others like this, but it has made such a huge difference in my admin load and the weight of being like, oh, I have to respond to all of these emails that are trying to schedule something because Oh my God, it's such a cumbersome way to schedule, to just Mm -hmm. email back and forth. It is. Oh, so cumbersome. So this is like literally I link to the calendar. I say, hey, pick a time that's best for you. And they pick a time. And I even have it set so that like there's like a 15-minute buffer on my my calendar so like people can't schedule completely back to back. And then can they also like just schedule themselves in? So like you don't even have to do the – I have it set so that I confirm it. You can – at least in the – software that I'm using, you can set it so that you don't have to confirm it. I just want that like backup of I need to confirm. Yeah. 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 So it's working well. So great. And that's, and that's my update. I'm in the thick of interviews and oh, I have so (laughs) many that, so many transcriptions to, to polish and get into my notes, (laughs) which is a great, it feels like a little bit of a problem because that kind of uh, work is not my favorite part of the writing process, but it's such an important, important part of the process. And I don't want to completely outsource it because it's important for yep. me to be reading the entire transcript and for me to be deciding what is going to fit into the fabric of the work yeah. that I'm doing. Um, and it's a good problem to have. I mean, just think like a month or two ago, you didn't even have a contract yet. Uh, and and more like five or six months ago, I was like, cool, I'm so scared to email people. I'm so scared to email people. Yeah. Uh, they're going to say no. Guess what? Most people don't even say no. They just don't reply. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I've, I've emailed about 
literally this week I have been emailing people and inviting myself to their podcast. Oh, <laughs> which awesome. just shows like the difference between <laughs> me and you. <laughs> yeah, no, but but I think it's also just like a willingness of like I started this year knowing that I really needed to get comfortable with yeah. rejection, and it was like I I know I need to grow into this, and I have forced myself to grow into it, um, and discovered that most people won't say no; they just won't reply. <laughs> Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. And my update is that I am heading into launch week, which you've Woo-hoo. already heard enough about. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and that's it for this week's installment of Writing on Wednesdays. You can find the show notes at writingonwednesdays.com. And as I mentioned earlier, my website is nicolerocus.com, where you can stay up to date on my book launch. And I'm online at sarah-bariza.com, where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter and check out my other podcasts and blog. Ratings and reviews on iTunes are important ways for people to find this podcast. So if you're enjoying this show, please rate the show and share it with a friend who's also a writer. And if you'd like to connect with other writers like you, join our Facebook group by searching for Writing on Wednesdays. Until next Wednesday, happy writing. Happy writing. Happy writing.